Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now Child, things are gonna get easier. Oh, oh. Ooh, child, things will get brighter. brighter. So, Jason, of course, this is a podcast called For Screen and Country. And you're Jason. And I, you're Brendan. I, <laughs> you're Brendan. I, you're Brendan. I. And we're a couple of pirates just hosting a talk. <laughs> we be talking about movies from the oils. We're yeah. talking about the British film. Arr. Arr. We're imagine from if, the West Country. Arr. Imagine if we did that for an entire episode. <laughs> We should have recorded it on Talking Like a Pirate Day. <laughs> That's a day? Yeah, it's the 19th, I believe, of September. You're a wealth of ridiculous information. I do what I can. Um, well, of course, since this is a British film podcast, usually we talk about the BFI Top 100, the Top 100 British films of all British time, as rendered in 1999. Um, so, of course, I want to talk about a movie I just saw called Rambo. One of the great British film series. <sighs> Just kidding. <laughs> We're actually going to talk about a movie that Jason just saw in theaters. Yeah. And by, by just saw, I mean, you know, however long ago he saw it. Yesterday. Uh, Jason is going to talk about the film adaptation of the TV series Downton, Downtown Abbey. Downton Abbey. Absolutely. <laughs> not Downtown. Now, let's let's be clear. I, I watched a lot of this show. I did not see all of this show. I think I missed the last two seasons of it. Uh, I watched certainly past uh, when Matthew Crawley meets his fate. We should say, <laughs> spoiler alert, if anyone does not want spoilers about the new Downton Abbey movie, I mean, it's been out for a month, but if you don't want to hear about specific things that happen, maybe tune out a little bit. Yeah, I'm going to be trying to be pretty general, but, you know. Uh, we're not going through the plot or anything, no, don't worry. We're, not, we're just going to talk about my thoughts of it. So... My thoughts of it start off by saying I enjoyed it very much. It was exactly, I think, what a Downton Abbey fan would want. It's basically an excuse to get the band back together. Uh, it's kind of like the Blues Brothers in that way. <laughs> I would love it. <laughs> I know, the Queen is coming. We're getting the band back together. We got we got a half a tank of gas. We got a packet of fags in our pocket. And we're wearing sunglasses at night. Let's roll. 106 miles to Chicago. Hey. <laughs> No, but this this was a really solid film, Brendan. Of course, Downton Abbey is a beautiful uh, TV series that is uh, takes place over the course of, I think it goes from about 1912. I think the series ends around the mid-20s, but this is set in 1927. Beautiful like a young Julie Christie? Mm. Mm. Well, certainly uh, young Mary mm-hmm. falls into that category. Or maybe, I guess more Edith, because Edith is a blonde. But wow. uh, okay. so yeah, basically this movie boils down to this is the biggest thing that could possibly happen to the Downton Abbey people. 
the king and queen are coming to visit. Ooh. So yeah, basically this is, we end up with the band getting all back together. So we find a reason to shove Mr. Barrow out of the way so Mr. Carson can come back and be the head butler for this situation. Johnny Carson. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and Mr. Carson, of course, played by uh, Jim Carter, whom many of us may remember from his turn as Edward Fox in The Madness of King George. Which we talked about. Which we talked about. Uh, and as far as I'm aware, and folks... Pointed out to us if I'm wrong. I think he's the only guy we've actually seen so far. Yeah, in a film. Because you mentioned um, like Melda Staunton, yep. uh, Maggie Smith, who mm-hmm. I don't believe we talked about any of them yet. I'm I gonna double check so. Maggie Smith while we're talking, but I'm pretty sure she, we she's haven't. on the list at all. Um, yeah. But yes, and Melda Staunton, of course, many of you Harry Potter fans will remember her as Dolores Umbridge, which certainly makes it difficult to watch her in this movie but at the same time she's great and she plays a wonderful character the the main source of conflict in the movie seems to come from the tension between the house staff and the royal staff that is brought in to help deal with the king basically the royal staff is going to assume all the duties that the house staff would normally perform and needless to say mrs hughes played by phyllis logan is not happy about this because that's her bag and uh yeah they her and uh anna played by uh, Joanne Froggart? Froggett. Joanne Froggett. They basically uh, get everybody together and figure out a scheme to uh, deal with the British uh, butlers and such so that they can be the ones to serve the food and cook it. Just an update to uh, Maggie Smith has not been on a, in a movie on the list that we've talked about yet, but she is in one that we'll eventually do. I was mistaken. There's one more person we've talked about oh. in this movie on the list. Mark Addy, late of... Uh, of uh, the Full Monty. The Full Monty, and, and also of Game of Thrones. Yes. Plays uh, Mr. Bakewell, who is the... Uh, I believe he's a food merchant. Uh, a grocer, you might call call the person. Gross. In the movie. He's wonderful. He's only on scene, screen for about 45 seconds, but he's great. But yeah, so what I can tell... Oh, and Kevin Doyle returns as Mr. Mosley. Mosley uh, kind of gotten out of the business because he throughout the series, had seen a reduction from butler to valet to footman. Uh, so I think he'd just kind of gotten out of the game, but it turns out he's super into the Royals, so he is down to come back and serve. I just want to say that Mark Addy was also in the Flintstones' Viva Rock Vegas as Fred Flintstone. Which is also on this list at the very bottom. Uh, no, I believe it's number two. Oh, surprising. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so uh, Downton Abbey, I mean, basically it is lovely. It is a it is a wonderful film. If you are a fan of the TV series and want a nice little aperitif to cap your experience, uh, I will say, and this is a spoiler alert, it's very vague, but spoiler, spoiler alert, spoiler, if you don't want to know, turn your, turn your, uh, your pod radios off. <laughs> That's what people listen on, right? Yeah. Turn Boom. your email satellite dish off. Turn it all off. Okay. Everybody's gone? Nothing really bad happens to anybody. So that is a big thing for Downton Abbey. Because when you're watching Downton Abbey, it's just that things are getting good and everything's, everybody seems to be achieving some level of happiness. Something terrible happens. But that doesn't happen in this movie. There is a there is a kind of shitty thing that happens near the end, but it, you know what? That's how life goes. And you know what they call that? The credits. That's right. Because you wanted more. Old, I did. I wanted to see Mr. Carson. I wanted to see him perform his old vaudeville routine that he uh, that mean, he was the life he wanted to get away from. You mean Karnak the magician? Yes, absolutely. That's who, exactly who he was. <laughs> Mr. <Karnak>. Carson. <laughs> oh man, if I was if I was fast enough, I'd love to have a Karnak routine. I could just pull off and just be like, oh, it's Downton Abbey. That's a wild, wacky stuff. Wild, wacky stuff. But uh, yeah, great movie, uh, a lot of fun. Now, this is a TV show, British TV show that's been turned into a movie. Can you talk about any movies, 
like British movie or British TV shows you've seen turned into movies that you enjoy? No. Oh, well, then I can. <laughs> I just want to say now. No, I know you do. You always um, want to say, you're, you're more of a no-but sort of guy rather than a yes and sort of guy. British TV shows turned into movies, I feel, are not quite as often. No. But I think I know which one you're going to talk about. Maybe. What Maybe. do you got? Well, uh, we could start with uh, Are You Being Served the Movie? I thought so. Thought so. <laughs> Which is not great. Uh, it, it is about the Are You Being Served cast going on vacation to a really shitty resort um, called Costa Planca, if I remember correctly. And it's kind of racist, and you know, like many British comedies were, and it's just not good compared to the TV show, unfortunately. Could you count the Monty Python movies? Absolutely you okay. could. So we know Life of Brian is on this list. It is. Wonderful movie. We, Spoiler we, alert for your opinion. But, but certainly not the most famous Monty Python movie, which has to be Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I thought you were going to say Meaning of Life. I don't know why. <laughs> I do love Meaning of Life. Meaning of Life includes that wonderful scene where Graham Chapman, a gay man for some reason, is chased down by a bunch of topless women to his death off the edge of a cliff. Again, we talked about the logic of we like did. why would the, why you would want that as your final moment. But that's maybe what makes it extra funny. Yeah. Uh, that he would choose that. Uh, yeah, so Monty Python is great. Um I'm trying to think what other ones... Uh, I know there was an On the Buses movie, but I never watched that show. I mean, there's also stuff that's, like, close to it. So I know um, you, I know you've watched these movies. You get, like, Shaun of the Dead, Hot mm-hmm. Fuzz, all those movies. There, this is not a direct adaptation of TV show Spaced. No. But it's very much the same cast, the same... I think Edgar Wright also directed that show. He, that was how... I believe that's how Simon Pegg met Edgar Wright was yeah. when he was making that show. So, I mean, it's very the same sensibilities. Yeah. Um, I mean, we could talk... Oh, shit. No. Jason, how did we not think about this? The Avengers yes, TV show. We talked about that fantastic movie on April 1st, and that is that is totally a coincidence because it was great. Go check that episode out, and, and if you uh, have your druthers, watch the Avengers TV show because it was pretty fun. Yeah, the movie is dog it's shit. It's garbage. So I, think, I think I want to point out that like a lot of times I find when a TV show is adapted into a movie, I think we could say majority um, are not good. No. And I think, and like, which is why I'm glad that Down Abbey turned out well. And I know it's been getting really good reviews too. Um, well, I think the biggest issue, or the biggest thing about Down Abbey, is the fact that it is less an adaptation of the TV show and more a continuation of the TV show. Yeah, you know, it's not like we're watching The Mod Squad, where. <sighs> Where 25 years after it was relevant, this thing is remade with new actors and nobody cares because nobody remembers that movie. SWAT? Or TV show. What SWAT. SWAT's That's not a bad one? movie. That's, uh, it's a pretty I mean, generic movie. it's not a movie. good movie, but it's pretty, yeah, it's watchable. Yeah. But um, you have like SWAT, you have fucking, it, well, I mean, a good one, I guess, is like uh, The Naked Gun. That's yeah. based on, uh, what is it? Police? From the Files of Police Squad. Police Squad. Which was a wonderful TV show, yeah. which you all should watch. It's only six episodes. I've never Christ. seen it. You, it's only six episodes. That's watch it. a lot of episodes. You son of a bitch. Um, I just had to watch Bells of St. Trinians. It was very long. And there was a time it seemed like every British TV show got like a movie version. Like I said, there was an I Big Serve. There was On the Buses. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure there were other ones too. But my biggest thing is like, okay... So here's why I think these things fail so often. Yeah. You're taking something that is meant to be a TV show. You're taking something that is meant to be episodic in nature. It's just hard to condense that into two hours or an hour and a half. And I think that's what you said. You made a good point about Downton Abbey being a continuation rather than just trying to adapt it into some mm-hmm. sort of into a movie, which obviously is the way to go. Um, I think if you're looking to make anything quality-wise... And now we have like a few others, like like the the fucking they had like the Entourage movie, mm-hmm. which wasn't great. No, 
it wasn't good. But it seems consistent to the TV series. Yeah, which, you know, it's funny because, like, I always enjoyed the show, Entourage. And when I watched it as a movie, I was like, oh, you know what? This show was never that great. <laughs> wow, the whole movie turned you around on the whole show. <laughs> kind of, because I was like, this movie doesn't have a plot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, most of the time I think that works so well. I'm trying to think of another, like, TV show into a movie. I will say hot, maybe possibly Hot Take. I uh, think the first Charlie's Angels movie is actually kind of fun. I remember enjoying it when it happened. And then I remember seeing the second one and being like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> and at the same time, that one is, like, a good, bad movie to yeah. me. Uh, but the thing about TV shows often that I've noticed is that, like, assuming it's not a reboot, which, you know, whatever. Like the show reboot. Uh, if it's like a continuation very often because the very nature of it being a film means it does not look like the TV show. The Air Being Served movie is a good example where because they shot it on film the and I think they actually built new sets for it. It did not look like the TV show. All the characters were there but the, the combination of it looking different and the lack of a laugh track which was, you know, it was an important part of Are You Being Served. That would have been weird. Uh, then not having that laugh track, you know, it's, it's strange. I mean, imagine if they made a Big Bang Theory movie. No, nope. have a... Don't even... Don't put that into the universe, Jason. <laughs> and I can say about Downton Abbey, that's one of the things that was it was nice about it, is that it was consistent to the look of the TV show. It did look a little nicer because it was a movie, but it was consistent to the look of the TV show. Now, another example of a bad transition uh, is Star Trek The Next Generation. Now, I've I'm a massive Star Trek fan. What? I've probably mentioned it before. I, I don't fucking think so. adore Star Trek. This is Trek. the first I'm hearing of this. And while while Deep Space Nine is the greatest dramatic series... Do you mean Star Crash? No, I mean Star Trek. Okay. Uh, which is like Star Crash, but just that much better. Um, right. So, the thing about it was is that while, while Deep Space Nine is the best dramatic TV series that Star Trek has ever made, and don't you fucking yawn at me while I'm talking... <laughs> It's been you a long, scumbag. It's been a long day. As I was saying, pay attention. While Deep Space Nine was the was the best series dramatically of of Star Trek, Star Trek: The Next Generation is the most Star Trek series, even more so than the original series, and it has one of the best finales of any TV show ever. And then we go into a movie called Star Trek Generations, which was the excuse to bring Kirk and Picard together. The best film ever made, right? Uh, No. Um, One of the worst films ever made, in my humble opinion. But I'm also biased, too. And it's not that bad a film. Like, I mean, to be fair, like, you know, Manos, The Hands of Fate is much worse than Star Trek Whoa, let's slow down here. I mean, that's a fact. Whether, if anybody was having any question. But Generations (laughs) looks weird. That's the big thing. It looks weird. Because you have to understand that... that, um, while Star Trek The Next Generation was filmed on film, it was shot for video. Because they were editing on video, it, it is it is lit like a TV show. It is very bright on the bridge, all the beiges and everything. But in the movie, it's much more, uh, there's a much more moody lighting. Mm-hmm. Which looks weird on these TV sets that they built specifically for TV. And it's part of the reason why in that movie, they destroy the Enterprise D so that they can rebuild the Enterprise E in a way that the sets look better on film. I think I've seen parts of this movie. Yeah, uh, so this is the movie where... Because uh, uh, the Kirk and... Picard? Yes. Kirk and Picard thing sounds very familiar to me. Yeah, basically it winds up, there's this thing called the Nexus, which is this ribbon of energy. Wade Barrett? Yes, Wade Barrett is in this and movie. Ezekiel he Jackson. Is a, he is a ribbon of energy, and he's surrounded by all these other NXT wrestlers. And nice. they sweep through space, and they suck Picard at one point into this thing, and in there he meets Kirk, who got sucked into there 80 years before when he was saving the Enterprise B. 
Um, this movie is terrible for a number of reasons. There's one good scene in this movie specifically that I can point Credits? to. No. The, although, yes, that is very exciting. Um, it's the scene where Picard breaks down after he re- learns that his um, his nephew and, and brother have died in a house fire at the Chateau Picard, which is his family estate where they make wine. I thought you were going to say the Chateau Marmont. No. <laughs> John Belushi died. So here's the thing about this movie, Brendan, and I have to say it. I have to get this out. In the very beginning of this movie... Kirk, Captain Kirk, quote-unquote, dies when uh, uh, when he is sucked out of the hull of the uh, Enterprise B and saves the day. He saves the ship, but is sucked out and dies, quote-unquote. But in fact, he's sucked into the Nexus, and he's stuck in there. Uh, so that, that in and of itself is a great death for Captain Kirk. But when Captain Kirk comes back out of the Nexus with Captain Picard 80 to 85 years later, he dies on a literal bridge. You talk about a captain dying on the bridge of their ship. He dies on a literal bridge uh, murdered by Malcolm McDowell. And it is fucking awful. And I love Malcolm McDowell. I've talked about him before. I love him in the Wing Commander games. I love him in, uh, I was going to say Full Metal Jacket. He's not in that. Clockwork Orange. I love him in Clockwork Orange. He's a wonderful actor, but but I blame him for this. It's his fault. He wrote the script. He wrote the script. Terrible person. Yeah, definitely. So, this Downton Abbey, uh, Downton Abbey episode has spent a lot of time talking about Star Trek, but mm. you have to understand that Downton Abbey is a good example of how to transfer a TV series to film. Star Trek Generations, not so much. Star Trek First Contact, however, that's a lot of fun. So watch that. I would say on the other side of things, uh, movie to TV shows, one of the best is probably the Star Wars Holiday Special. Great, great thing. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I think it's, I think that's you. You made a lot of good points. Um, I probably won't watch the movie, honestly, that's and that's not even because I don't want to. But you it's would be like, so lost. I would be so lost. You don't know anybody in it. I feel like it's one of those situations where it's like, okay, I would have to sit down and watch the show and I, see if I liked it. I think it's a movie that can play well if you haven't seen it because it's a pretty, you know, it's a pretty simple story. The king and queen are coming to visit and everybody's excited, right? So it's, you know. Yeah, it doesn't seem overly complicated. It, it certainly but... uh, helps if you know who everybody is, especially with uh, uh, with Mr. Barrow and his uh, uh, dealing with his homosexuality throughout the course of the series. Um, and then that kind of comes to a head, so to speak, in the movie. Somebody blow him? Uh I mean, maybe. I don't think it happens on screen. I wasn't paying attention to that I mean, that the point. movie is PG, not PG-13 <laughs> even. I doubt oh, so a... you can do a full-on blowjob in a PG-13 movie now. I mean, you can imply it. <laughs> oh, I guess we, we all saw Police Academy. We know that that can be implied. Did I you not like... see Police Academy? No. Dude, we gotta do a Police Academy cast. Do we? Yeah, we'll do all eight of them. <laughs> There's eight? Well, yeah, at least. At least seven or eight of them, yeah. Uh, I think by the time of the last one was like Mission to Moscow. and That's more daunting than a hundred movies on this list. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> I think Bobcat Goldwaith comes in in the fourth one. Of course, yeah, because you gotta wait. You got to wait for the good ones to That's start. right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so I think our kind of consensus here is continuing... The show into yeah. a movie is a better idea. It's overall. a better idea. It's a more consistent idea. Trying I understand. To ad- trying to adapt six seasons into 90 minutes, not so great. Yeah, and I, and I, I get the view of some people of like, oh, well, you know, you're throwing people into the middle of a group of people. They don't know anything about them. But, you know what, like I say, I think this movie works fine on its own. You're obviously not going to appreciate it nearly as much if you haven't seen the show. But I think it's, it's watchable for sure. I liked it a lot. My wife liked it a lot. She's a huge fan of the TV show. So all in all, I will say Downton Abbey, the movie, a success. 
Well, and why don't I just read a couple comments here sure. we got regarding uh, Downton Abbey and also like you know TV shows and the movies sure. in general. Uh, Anders John says it was a great movie, set up like a long episode of the show. I was skeptical because the show ended on such a pro- pitch perfect note. But this is a great continuation slash standalone storyline. Um, it also did just the right amount of making things bigger slash more cinematic without feeling detached from what you would see on the show. In short, the very best of fan service done for the right reasons. So that he said it way more uh, eloquently than I did. Sean Williams Holt also said, uh, usually they're pretty bad, a.k.a. Bewitched, Starsky and Hutch, Land of the Lost. I actually like Starsky and Hutch. I like Starsky and Hutch, too. Uh, but he said, but then there's several I love, including Camp Classics, Adam's Family Values, and the Beverly Hillbillies. Uh, not to mention most of the Mission Impossible entry. Can you call those adaptations anymore? I mean, maybe at this the first point, one. Certainly the first one, but at this point, yeah, it's yeah. kind of morphed into its own thing. I don't know that the '60s TV series was quite as action-packed as those films. And you know, you appreciate this. Where Rick Carr gave you a little Shatner gift there. Ah! <laughs> That's one of the. That is the best Star Trek movie. And he says, "What I'm saying is, sometimes it works really well." <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, JF said, if I wanted to see Downton Abbey movie, I'd pop in Gosford Park, am I right? But really, I was very let down by Downton in general, as Gosford Park is such a good movie and examination of that class, whereas Downton is just a fluffing of the British upper class. That being said, I still enjoyed the first couple of seasons on a purely sick-in-bed, fun-watch kind of way, <laughs> so I pop in the movie on ca- pop in the movie on cable for sure, not in the theater. Uh, I went to go see the Serenity movie, having never watched an episode of Firefly, and I still enjoyed, the- I still enjoyed it, so there's that. Well, number one, watch Firefly, because A, it's great, and B, it's only 14 episodes, so get over yourself, you dumb fuck, and watch it. I'm sorry, I was mean. You're great. Thank you for listening. I, I don't mean to call you names. I've never listened to it either. I've never watched it either. Uh, again, 14 episodes, fucking watch it. Now, uh, second thing I forgot to mention was that, oh, I was talking about Star Trek. I didn't talk about Star Trek The Motion Picture, <laughs> which was the adaptation into a movie from that TV series, and that is a continuation of the TV series, and uh, not directly far, like storyline-wise, but it takes place just before the second five-year mission of the Enterprise, which is covered somewhat in the books. Um, it is not a great movie. It is a very, like, cold... Is that the Whales one? No, that's four. That's okay. a great movie. No, the Star Trek The Motion Picture is a very cold science fiction film directed by Robert Wise, whom you may remember as the editor on uh, Citizen Kane. I think he also directed uh, West Side he, Story. Yeah, uh, I think he may have directed uh, The Day the Earth Stood Still, possibly. Yeah. Uh, another famous science some fiction big films. movies, yeah. Yeah, no, he's a big director for sure, and it was a big get for them to get this famous science fiction director... Uh, yeah, to, West, to Side, West Side Story, famous science famous fiction. science fiction film. Um, <laughs> but you know, it 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 is like I say, it's very cold. And the thing about Star Trek is, it always felt very warm. With the characters were interesting and fun, and you know, they would always have a good laugh uh, once in a while. But and while this movie is a solid Star Trek story because it's about AI and about this probe that went out into the universe and came back super huge and crazy smart. Um, it's just, it's a slog, unfortunately. And and I like so much about that movie, but it is a slog. And it really doesn't pick up until Star Trek 2. And then we get Star Trek 2, Star Trek 3, Star Trek 4, a great sub-trilogy of movies. And then Star Trek 5, which is awful. And then capped off by Star Trek 6, the second best Star Trek movie. I like all the new ones. Uh, yeah, the reboots are, are a lot of fun. I enjoy them very much, but we could do a six-hour podcast about what I think is wrong with them from a Star Trek fan's perspective. But as a movie fan, I'll say, they are awesome. You're being a real uh, Last Jedi right now. <laughs> um, well, and John Tripp said, I don't mind movies that are basically feature-length episodes like Downton Abbey. The first X-Files movie was required viewing, for example. 
Um, I'm optimistic about El Camino, the Breaking Bad movie that is seeing a limited theatrical release. And he said, I don't particularly enjoy movies, quote-unquote, inspired by classic shows, but I'm sure there's an exception somewhere. The only ones I can think of off the top of my head are Dukes of Hazard and Honeymooners and the like, which are a hard pass for me. I saw that X-Files movie 20 years ago when it came out with uh, my friend Justin McCollum, who listens to the podcast. Hi, Justin. Oh, we did go to see that. Especially for you, Justin. But uh, yeah, I remember liking that movie, even though I didn't really watch the show and didn't know what was going on. It was an enjoyable flick. It happened to me, too. Yeah. Yeah. So... Check out the X-Files movie. Fight the Future, I believe it's called. I think that's what it is. There was a new one that I saw, too, that hmm. I didn't really care for at all, honestly. And then there was that follow-up Netflix show. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm going to I'm gonna pose this to you as a, like, a little final thing here, sure. Jason. Back to Downton, back, going back to Downton Abbey. Yep. Uh, Kyle Kepin saw this movie, and he said, The burning question I have, and again, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, The Bates. They gave birth to a boy at the end of the series. As a young boy, he's a master now, No. <laughs> That's absolutely correct. <laughs> absolutely smashing, my good man. You know what's funny? I didn't even get the joke until I said it out loud. <laughs> and I was like, I'm waiting for Jason's answer. And you started laughing. I was like, what the fuck are you talking Oh, I got had. Oh, my, Brendan. You're so naive. I'm such a cad. <laughs> oh. So, I mean, yeah, that wraps up our little discussion, I think. Yeah. Um, this is all you get this week, folks. Too bad. Just a little mini episode. Yeah, just a little taste. Because Brendan is moving. Oh, moving. he's already moved by this point. But... Or is he? Dun, dun, dun. I sure hope he is. <laughs> God, don't even. <laughs> um, but Jason, that being said, next week we're going back to the list. And I thought... Because next week is October 28th, it's pretty close to Halloween. Scary. Scary month. Spooky, you might say. So, I think what we need to do is fudge the numbers a little bit for Halloween, Brendan. Yeah, we're not going to roll the dice. We're not going to roll the dice this time. We're going to pick one of the horror movies, one of the very few horror films. I feel horror films always underrepresented. The British don't seem to have a, a whole lot of them, although there was that movie, The Hole. They do have a British. lot. I mean, Eyes Without a Face is a big one, and it's not anywhere on this Did list. Did you see Death Watch 2004? No. It's about a bunch of World War One soldiers that take a trench, and then it's, like, haunted. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. I've never seen it. Oh, well, check it out. <laughs> but um, what we're going to do, Jason, we're going to take a horror movie off this list, and we're going to talk about it next week. So next week, we're going to talk about number 96 on the list and that is the original 1973 the wicker man Ooh, i've never seen that or the remake you've never seen the remake no i was saving it for this podcast i cannot wait till we watch this one i am even more excited for you to watch the remake <laughs> i have never seen this one i uh, the wicker man directed by robin hardy 1973 number 96 like i said so i mean already i said it's one of the few horror movies and of course it's fucking 96 like it's way down the list but yep. we'll talk about it we'll figure it out next week october 28th halloween special check it out don't look now we're gonna watch the wicker man hey, hey. i think that's the only other horror movie we talked i think about. so yeah like narcissist was kind of close yeah, in parts but a little bit yeah having said that jason um you can find us on facebook just mm-hmm. search for screen and country you can find us on the twitter at bfi underscore pod you can uh find jason on twitter at 
Jason D. McLeod. That's M-A-C-L-E-O-D. And what do you do on that Twitter box, Jason? I just fuck around. Yeah. Occasionally I post something that's fun, maybe for my job or for my life. But uh, And then, of course, I retweet this podcast. So Down Abbey sure do, uh, fan fiction. <laughs> well, what if Mr. Barrow and, and uh, Mosley got together? See, I knew you, it was going to be a sex thing. <laughs> as soon as I said it, I was like... It's fan fiction. What else is there? And it's going to be the one dude... Who's in the closet? <laughs> With a guy the who's there's no indication that he's gay whatsoever. Well, that that's how they get you. They convert you, Jason. That's right. They that's come how, after that's you. how gay people work. I mean, they I fucking... I've seen Eddie Murphy's comedy specials. I know how this works. Oh boy, do chicken not, on my ass. Do not base your life on this. <laughs> so, all I have to say to you, Jason, is God save the queen. God save the screen. And for screen and country, I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. Downton Abbey reference. Oh, Mr. Mosley. I heard you on the wireless back in 52. Lying awake intently tuning in on you. If I was young, it didn't stop you coming through. inspired by signs it comes at night in war for the planet of the apes was ready player one influenced by avatar wreck it ralph and the last starfighter is the hurricane heist more influenced by sharknado or geostorm these are the kinds of questions my guest co-hosts and i discuss on my podcast piecing it together every week we look at a new movie and try to figure out what other movies inspired it whether it's the story the character development tone or even use of music every movie was influenced by something that came before and we want to figure out what Check out Piecing It Together on your favorite podcast app or check us out on piecingpod.com. You can also follow us on social media at piecingpod. Piecing It Together is a part of the All Points West Podcast Network. It's time, let's check our cue, baby. Pair it with a couple brews, baby. We love good movies. We love the bad ones, too. So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you. Oh, yeah. Everything I learned from movies helps to make life a little bit groovy. With a one-last plot holes a gratuitous boobies. It's time to get busy with your friend Steven Izzy. At eilfm.podbean.com.